Welcome back into the great Scott show, the great sports callers open think tank here on ESPN 1420. And we're joined by a Super Bowl winning Scott, Scott Shanley, former Saints linebacker, now in the media world doing stuff for Cox Sports Television. You see him on Cox Sports tonight. Uh, you see him Sunday evenings as well after Saints games and uh, his podcast with uh, my friend Mike Neighbors. Uh, really good stuff. You guys do great interviews there as well. For those that don't know it, um, it's good. And uh, been there, done that is the name of it. Scott, how are you, man? You've been on this show before. It's been a little while, but uh, but how's life been? I'm doing good. I'm glad I could add to the title of the show, having two great Scots. I think that'll be good. Hopefully it's one of your better shows. I, I Look, I, at some point, man, I mean, you just got to call your boy Fajita, and we'll I'll just conference call you in. <laughs> there you we'll go. Three, yeah. Scott. Uh, I'm for it, too, because I'm sure the two of you together uh, might be able to get some more stories out of one another. But, uh, but I, you know, Scott, I appreciate you coming on here, man. And just, you know, with this game coming up Sunday night between the Saints and Bucks, I Breeze and Brady are going to be the big story going back and forth with the touchdown records. I, I, I'm here in South Louisiana. I know you live in Dallas, but you, you work on the weekends here, and you're very tied into the Saints program. But I wanted your perspective as someone that's not – in the heart of Saints country, because I have callers to the show that will point out, man, it seems like every time Brady does something that's not great, there's an excuse. And with Breeze, he wins this game without, you know, his top three targets. And, you know, shortly before halftime, you know, verified football riders with a blue check marker calling for him to put Jamison and everyone's saying, well, he didn't play that great it's hard to tell a fan that they're wrong because they're going to be biased. But as somebody that's not here in Saints country, what is your perspective on the national narrative this season surrounding Brady and surrounding Breeze? Well, I think you summed it up perfectly. And I think the, the answer I can give to that is when you win as many rings and Super Bowls as Tom Brady has won, you seem to get excuses made and, and the benefit of doubt. And that's just how winning championships works. But at the same token, at the same time, I'm appalled by the criticism that Drew has gotten, you know, over the last couple of years and especially this year, because when you look at his performance and you look at his numbers, it, it, it says his game has not dropped off from what he's done and what he's been doing very successfully. And, you know, the other thing with his criticism, this man has all the records that you can imagine and will probably own more records when he's done playing if he if he ends up playing another year. But I just think it's hard to always compare Brady and Breeze because Brady is always going to end up having more championships. But I, what the Saints' struggles are not because of Drew Brees this year. The, the struggles, and I say struggles because their record is good, but the, the struggles have come from defensively, not playing good enough red zone defense, not taking the ball away. And when your offense is scoring 30 points a game you're, and your defense was supposed to be one of the better defenses in the league, it, you, have to, you have to put the onus and put the blame where it should belong, and it, it should not be on number nine. I think Drew has played just about as good as you could hope for Drew playing at this age. Uh, Scott Shanley, our guest. So, uh, you know, my take on it has been weeks one, granted it was a win, and week two, a loss in Vegas – we didn't see the accuracy that we've typically seen from Breeze that we've been spoiled with, frankly, over the years. Like leading a guy, you know, players not having to adjust to the ball, hitting him in stride. It just, the accuracy wasn't up to par. And my thought was look, they didn't have a training camp, you know, normal training camp preseason. 
let's see what happens. And I feel like since then, the accuracy's been there. Like, it's give or take a throw here or there, Scott. I mean, it's he's been really good. And the whole discussion of arm strength, I'm like, that would be relevant if you had been doing it for the last five years because they haven't been throwing the ball deep down the field. This isn't anything new. I mean, this is this is how Drew Brees has been playing the last couple of years. So, I don't know. I think some some kind of latch on to a crowd early in a discussion, and then they don't want to just be wrong or back off of it. So they look for any chance to do it. I mean, if the Saints lose Sunday night, folks are going to be all over it. Well, he didn't do this or that. Or if they lose in the playoffs, they'll be like, oh, well, see, I told you, even though they might win a lot of games and be in the playoffs. So you're right. It's like it, defensively, this team is just not at a place halfway through the season that we expected them to be. No, that's exactly right. And and on top of it, when you look at Drew, I mean, these are the numbers that we had, I believe, last week after the Chicago game were was he's 70, completing 76% of his passes. He has uh, over 110 quarterback rating. But I think the narrative, and you hit exactly on the head, people think that Drew is not playing well because he can't throw a deep ball, and they haven't done it consistently. Well, it, it doesn't matter. As long as the ball is not touching the ground, I know everybody wants to see the deep ball. That is an exciting part of the game. And, you know, everybody yearns for seeing uh, Devery Henderson get behind the secondary or Robert Meacham back in the day getting behind the secondary. That part of the offense just is not going to happen much because Drew's arm strength isn't what it was, and we have to accept that. But the, the fact is, are you scoring points? Are you moving the ball? And what Drew is doing is he's still doing that. Now, defensively, the bigger issue is the secondary. There's too many explosive plays. The ball is getting behind our head, and you can't do that. And when you start picking at the defense, not enough takeaways, but third or uh, sorry, red zone defense has been 32nd in the NFL. Now, what that means is they're not making teams kick field goals, but when teams are getting close to the red zone to the 20 yard line, they're scoring touchdowns at an alarming rate. That's why these games are as close as they are. Because if this defense just makes teams kick field goals, a lot of these victories are not nail batters like they have been. Tom, uh, Drew Brees uh, leading the league in completion percentage. Uh, second uh, is actually Teddy Bridgewater followed by Russell Wilson. Brady is uh, 18th on the list. Now, I'm not suggesting that Brady hasn't played well this year, but he hasn't been the all-world guy that we've seen, though he has come on as of late. And I I look at that Monday night game against the Giants. Scott, you would know better than me as a guy that that played in the league for a long time and won a Super Bowl. From my perspective, it looked like they were kind of taking him lightly just from a mental standpoint, from a focus standpoint, thinking they were going to roll over him. They didn't. It was closer but I, I do expect the Bucks to come out and, uh, and, and play a little better out the start um, from an effort standpoint, from a mental focus standpoint this Sunday than they did on Monday night. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think the Buccaneers, it was, it was the ultimate trap game. It was a team that they felt like they could go out there, they were going to beat, there, and they were getting ready for the Saints game. And a lot of times in the NFL, when you don't play your best, you're going to lose. Well, the Buccaneers are just a much better team than the Giants. Even though they didn't play good, they still found a way to win that game. But I think you're going to see the Buccaneers team that we saw play Green Bay, the Buccaneers team that we saw play at Las Vegas, and really play well. And it's going to be a big-time game. The division will be on the line as far as who's who's going to take advantage of the NFC South. I don't believe this is going to be the last time that, that the Buccaneers and the Saints are even going to play. I think this is going to be a matchup in the NFC in the playoffs at some point. I believe these are the two best teams in the NFC. So whether or not that gets to the NFC championship, I don't know. But I, I think the reason I still like the Saints in this matchup is 
you, you know, let me start first talk about the Bucks. Gronkowski starting to look like the old Gronkowski. That's a scary thing. They're going to add Antonio Brown, which if he just doesn't talk and just plays football, he is a upgrade for most teams at wide receiver. Sounds like he's looking really well. Now, the advantage I think the Saints have on the Buccaneers is I think the Buccaneers O-line is not good. I think the Buccaneers secondary is young and inexperienced. Their front seven is really good, but I believe those are two areas of weakness. Weakness on that team that teams can exploit, and it'll be interesting if the Saints can exploit it this Sunday. Scott Shanley, our guest, former Saints linebacker, Super Bowl champion. Uh, he and Mike Neighbors have the Been Dare Done That podcast. Of course, you can see Scott Cox Sports tonight every weekend uh, covering things Saturday evenings and on Sundays as well on Saints tonight. So um, the Bucks right now a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. I expect this to be the highest-rated game of the season between Brady and Breeze. You mentioned uh, Antonio Brown. We'll see if Mike Thomas uh, is going to make his return this week. But a lot of things lining up for this to just be a game with a lot of eyes on the screen. One guy who we're not going to see, but later in the season we expect to, is Quan Alexander. The Saints trade for him. Uh, as a former linebacker, Scott, definitely respect your opinion on it. What did you make of that trade, and were you surprised that of all the, I guess, potential moves and trade machines fans like to crank out, that it was a linebacker that the Saints acquired? I was a little bit surprised, but I, I also know in this business, you're always looking to, to add talented players. And it's, in this business, professional sports, when you have a chance to add a talented player at a price that you don't feel like you're sacrificing future gains, you go ahead and make that move. And I th when you look at Quan at his career, his first three years in Tampa Bay, he was one of the better linebackers in the NFL. He's flying around. Um, very athletic. His last three years have been kind of a mixed bag. He signed a big deal in San Francisco. He's been injured a lot, but I feel like athletically he will, he helps most teams at linebacker. If he can stay healthy and stay on the field, he gives the, gives the saints chances to run more three linebacker sets. It'll be interesting to see how that, what that affects, uh, Alex Anzalone, if they've been disappointed in Alex, if he's going to completely replace him, or if they're just looking to get more linebackers on the field. But I think the key for Quan is he was starting to lose his job to Dre Greenlaw, the rookie, or the second-year player out of Arkansas. Obviously, he's on a rookie contract, less money. They're trying to unload Quan's, Quan's contract. Um, I just I, I like the move because for the Saints, you, you have said we're all in this year. We, we flirted with Jadavion Clowney. We've said this is our year. We're all in. So when you get a player like that available at the trade deadline and he can help you, you go ahead and make that move. So I liked it. And sometimes, you know, if something doesn't work out and it works out for you, you mentioned Dave, Davion Clowney. He has not been playing well in Tennessee. So the Saints, I think, on the fortunate side of that one, the big thing is just Davenport's health. Because when he's on the field, Scott, man, is he a difference maker, right? It's not just about his stats individually, but it seems like the rest of the defense, the pass rush, which needs some help, it's just a big boost. If he can stay on the field, he undoubtedly is a guy that makes a difference. Again, another player. If he can stay healthy, he has such a tremendous ceiling. And I've been, I've been the first one to admit, I've been critical of Marcus because of the injury bug. He needs to stay healthy. The best ability is availability, and he has not had that so far in his career. And, you know, I think maybe I was more critical of, of Marcus because of what the Saints gave up. They gave up two, two first-round draft picks, and that's a lot of capital. You have to hit a home run on that player. And I – but – Talent-wise, I believe that Mark Stamford is is a great player. You can't teach six seven. You can't teach two sixty five. You can't teach explosiveness like he has. But it really just comes down to repetition, staying on the field week after week, getting better, learning, 
uh, going against tackles week after week and then adding more pass rush moves to his game because he is a very raw pass rusher. He, he's so athletically and such a freak gift-wise, he can just run around people. But if he can add more pass rush moves to his arsenal, I believe he can be one of the better DNs in the league. But you're right. The last two weeks, a sack and a half or two sacks, um, it's a great sign for the Saints defensive line because if you can rush four and him and Cam can start to come along and Trey Hendrickson keeps playing the way he's playing, you have such an advantage coverage-wise because now you can keep more guys in coverage. So it is important and it's vital for those guys to keep winning one-on-one battles. I, I, Scott Shanley has been our guest. I think Davenport may be the X factor this Sunday night when you consider what you brought up earlier about, look, Tampa's got a lot of talent on the team, but one big question mark for them their old line. One thing that hadn't been up to par yet this year for the Saints is that consistent pass rush. But uh, Davenport has an opportunity to have a big game on Sunday night. Final question for you, Scott. In the NFC, I think there are four contenders that I, but I think they all have holes in their roster. They all have some limitations, but I also think they're a cut above the rest. The Packers, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Seahawks. Of those four, who do you feel most confident about coming out of the NFC? To me, it's it's the Buccaneers and the Saints. I think the Buccaneers' front seven is elite. Their secondary has some youth and some inexperience. And then their O-line, and then the rest of their offense is, is really darn good. The Saints, to me, have the most complete team top to bottom. We haven't seen it because we've had guys being hurt. We talked about Drew earlier and the impressive numbers he's putting up. He's put up those numbers without, the, without Michael Thomas, one of the best wide receivers. It's not the best wide receiver in the NFL. So, once with this whole Saints team gets back and they're complete and they're healthy, I still think they're the best team top to bottom in the NFC. The Green Bay Packers, I've seen a couple games that leave me scratching my head like, is this the same team I saw get blown out last year at San Francisco in the playoffs? And it's starting to look that way from this team. And then the Seattle Seahawks, I, I think they're a well-coached team. I think Pete Carroll does a good job. Russell Wilson is absolutely phenomenal. But I also know they play in the NFC West. It's the toughest division. They're going to get beat up by the Rams and the 49ers, and um, the Cardinals are a much improved team. So I don't know how that's going to work seeding-wise. So I have my doubts about Seattle. Their, their strength of schedule is also one of, one of the lighter ones in the NFL. But I think the Buccaneers and the Saints, I would doubt if this is an NFC Championship game preview if the seeding works out correctly. Well, hopefully the Saints win Sunday and uh, hold that tiebreaker on them. Scott Shanley has been our guest, former 10-year NFL veteran linebacker, won a Super Bowl with the Saints Check him out on Cox Sports Tonight, Saints Tonight as well, at Scott Shanley on Twitter, and his podcast with Mike Neighbors. Been there, done that. A lot of good stuff there weekly. Also, some good evergreen interviews as well with plenty of Scott's former teammates in New Orleans. Scott, appreciate the time, man. All the best, and uh, hopefully we can chat again in a couple of months. That'd be great. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Scott.